Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I just appreciate the Lord so good today. He's something else, isn't he? Glad I got him. Glad he's got me. <laughs> I think that's probably a better description of it. Glad he's got me. You know, uh, sometimes a, a kid, you pick them up, they'll hold on to you, but it's actually you, if the parent wasn't holding on, you know, the kid can't let, hang in there forever. I'm glad it ain't just us grabbing him, but him grabbing us. And uh, I, I want to I wanna be captured by the Lord. Amen. So we uh, just... Uh, December's on us this year is quickly dwindling away, and uh, we, we're going to get into a new lesson in this last month um, and just uh, see what God can uh, show us and teach us in this new series. Uh, how many people know we're a blessed and a privileged people? Yeah. We are, and that's uh, the, the focus of this uh, next four lessons of blessed and privileged people. And, uh, it says, because God has blessed us with many spiritual blessings, we must live a life that is holy without blame before him in love. That's a big, big uh, key right there, in love. We must live this life for him, but you have to live it in love and because uh, people need to see the love of God. And today we're going to talk about our, our riches in Christ. So if you have your Bibles you want to turn, First Peter Chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Um, thankful for everything God's given us today. Good to see you in the house of the Lord, those that have been under the weather. Glad you're back. Glad you're feeling better. Good to see you back in the house. And First uh, Peter, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So today we're going to talk about our riches in Christ. Let's pray for the lesson. Lord, we love you today and thank you for your goodness and mercy. Lord, we're so privileged today uh, to be counted among that number that we have been grafted in. And Lord, we praise you for today. Now let us learn from your word, God, that we might appreciate what we have in you. Lord, to be ready to share it, give it to this world. Bless us now, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today if you're thankful. Aren't you thankful to be part of the body of Christ? Thankful to be a part of his body. You can be seated again. Thank you for being in service today, being in the house of the Lord, for getting out and, and coming to worship the Lord today. I know the Lord appreciates that. And I, as a pastor, we, I appreciate it too. We are blessed and we are privileged and we have a great inheritance. What we just read, uh, as children of God, we have a very rich inheritance. Now, we know that there is a crown of life that waits for us, uh, Paul said. And uh, when we, get, we hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, we know we're going to receive that crown of life. Anyone who loves his appearing, who's ready for that, you know, uh, a lot of people won't love his appearing, but uh, I feel like his children will love his appearing. 
And um, we, have, we do have a, a heavenly inheritance, but here even in this life we can have uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We, uh, you know, even an heir, we, you, know, you see in scripture oftentimes too that uh, someone who is the heir who has the birthright, he, he still has access to anything the father has while the father is still there. You know, the, the prodigal son story, the father uh, reminds the older, uh, hey, you're always with me and everything I have is, is yours. You, could ha- you have access to anything I've got. Uh, when I die, it'll just go, you, that double portion will go to you. But right now, I'm not going to make you wait till I die to get it. God doesn't make us wait till we get to heaven to enjoy uh, the benefits of being an heir. We are children of the Most High. We are blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Uh, we are his bride. We are his people, blood-bought, purchased, filled with his spirit. Uh, we are, uh, we're not big-headed. We're not self-righteous. We don't walk around with our nose in the air. But there's nothing wrong with acknowledging who you are. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You don't have to walk around with a big banner out, uh, holding it, trying to, let everybody draw attention to yourself. Just live like you are. Live like you are. When things are going well, just keep living for the Lord. When things get uh, stormy, when things get shaky, live for the Lord. We, you know, it's on the good days, you know, it's often maybe on the good days that uh, people can't tell. Hey, if everything's going well in the country, maybe people can't tell who you serve, what's going on, because everybody's smiling. But when the world's upside down and part of the world's grumbling and complaining and fighting and spitting, you'll stand out. When you decide, I'm going to have faith and I'm not going to run. I'm going to stand and not bow down. I'm going to lift my hands instead of drop my head. I'm going to keep living for God. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe the Lord to come through. I'm going to trust the one I live for. You will stand out. You will be a light shining in a dark world. You'll be a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. You will be the salt of the earth. You'll be exactly uh, what God called you to be. You will be that blessed, privileged people uh, showing that inheritance. You think about uh, uh, how good God is to us. You know, in this life as earthly parents or, you know, even in a family you know, we want to make things as good as we can for our children. I mean, any, any, you know, and a child will see those efforts, so they realize that too. So a child has an understanding of that. But as parents, when you have a child, you, you want better. You ever heard, I want better for you than I had. I want you to do more than I did. Jesus said, hey, I did some great things, but greater things shall you do. You know, uh, he, he, he wants to see us do great exploits and do great things and be blessed and, and tell people about him on this earth. He wants to see us overcome. He wouldn't call us overcomers or more than conquerors if he expected us to be beat all the time. He expects us to be victorious, to shine that light so people can see our good works. He expects us to have the best because he gives us the best. If we are not uh, living our best life for Jesus, then that's our fault. It ain't, it ain't for lack of, of provision. He, he supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. 
I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. I, I, I can quote scripture after scripture where we stand and where we are victorious. If we're not living our best life, if living for God to us is hard, that's something's wrong with us. There's tribulation in the world, but it ain't hard to live for God. It's not hard to, to live for the one who gave himself for me. And so, um, you know, and we as natural parents, we do everything we can to provide uh, what we can for our kids. We want them to have the best and, and make sure that they can, can do better than us or go farther or have reached their goals in life, things like that. But if we can do that, Think about what God can do. Jesus said it like this in, in Matthew uh, chapter 7. Uh, he said uh, that if we be an evil, I think I gave you that scripture. This, yeah, if you then be an evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your Father who is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Just leave that up for a second. Uh, so we see uh, him saying now, if you are evil... You know, he's talking to people that, you know, a lot of salvation hadn't just rolled in yet. And people who, he said, even if you're bad people, even bad people will be good to their kids a lot of times. Right. You know, they're going to take care of their own. And uh, he's talking not just talking about people who are trying to be wicked, evil people in the world, but they're, they're, unregen- they're not regenerated. They're not, they haven't received salvation. It's, they're sinners. And, you know, so if, if us as sinners... We know how to give good gifts to our kids. We know how to be good to our kids and take care of them, feed them, clothe them, make sure that they have a house and get them to school, different things like that, take up for them, encourage them, love them, hug them, fix their, you know, kiss their boo-boos, all those kind of things, you know. We, we comfort them. We, we love them. Then how much more will God? And see, when we do those things for children, it affects the way they grow up. If, if you know we a child, whether we train it according to scripture or not, it, we train them. And so you know, some people train their kids be respectful, be mindful, have manners. It, it's not very much anymore, but yeah, still people should train them up to to be respectful in this world, to love people, to do things. So uh, they're affected. We're giving them things to live as they get older. Well, how much more does God, our Father in heaven? Give good things to those who ask him. You will never lack the ability to live for God if that's what you want to do. If we are willing and we are obedient, we will eat the good of the land. You've heard me say this many times. So God's uh, work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. He is going to always make sure we have. He will never ask you to do something that you cannot do with him by your side. He is never calling you to something that, hey, go do this, see if you can do, see if you can do this. He's not going to set you up for failure. God is not going to set you up to be a laughing stock and, and, and be ridiculed. If, if we make a mess of it, we made the mess of it. Hello? We, we might as well go ahead, ahead and, and understand it and quit trying to find that uh, excuse uh, because, listen, God... So I just can't live for God. Then it's because you chose. It's so hard. It's so hard. What's hard about it? Well, all these people I used to run with won't talk to me no more. So why is that hard? Well, I, they, they don't invite me nowhere anymore. So what, what's wrong with that? 
God called you out of all that stuff. Why, why is it hard? I know nobody wants to lose friends. Nobody's trying to be isolated in this life. But let me tell you, you won't give up anything or walk away from anything that God doesn't give back. When he called Abraham, he said, you need to leave the land and you've got to leave those people. That you, you, you're going to leave your family. You're going to leave it. You're getting out of that land. Leave all that behind and go to where I tell you to go because I'm going to make your seed to be like the stars of heaven, like the sand of the seashore. Yeah. You're going to walk away from your land, from those people, but I'm going to give you back so much you can't count it. There'll be generations after you, Abraham, you will never know. Paul wrote it. I believe it was Paul in the New Testament said, Abraham's the father of us all. Father of faith, and in faith he is. And so uh, you don't leave anything in this life that God does not give back abundantly. We are a blessed and privileged, uh, wonderful uh, children of God. And man, we have an inheritance that is not just rich in heaven, but it's rich on this earth. Peter asked the Lord one time, said, we have left all to follow you. What shall we have? And the Lord began to tell him, said, you haven't left anything that I'm not going to bless you in this life and in the life to come. That's Matthew 19. You can read it, look it up and read it. But uh, he said, you haven't left it, Peter. You act like you've done something great by leaving all these things. You ain't left nothing that uh, now you're lacking. You ain't left anything where you're hurting and and you're having to, to struggle and suffer to get through. I'll make sure you're taken care of. Uh, I would, he wouldn't ask us to follow him if he knew we were going to drop dead on the wayside as we followed him. God's going to take care of his people. He's not going to send you somewhere without giving you the ability to do what he wants you to do. He sent them out by twos, and he told them what they could do, and they come back saying, we did it. He sent 70 out and told them what to do, and they came back and said, we did it because he equipped them to go out and do. He was just giving us a little preview When I send you, when I call you and then send you and and make you my people, you will be empowered and you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and then you'll be witnesses unto me in all the world, everywhere. You're going to be a witness unto me. Uh, You can't do that on your own. You need what I'm going to give you, the power to be that witness, to be that light. It comes through the Holy Ghost that lives inside of us. Uh, you know, uh, hey, you can, be a, you can be a billboard or you can be a light. A billboard, people are going to have to come see, but a light, people can see from a long way off. A lot of people want to be a billboard and say, I'll be here if you come by. But other people are shining a light to somebody that's way off in the dark so they can see it. And, and miss destruction or find a way out. Uh, you know, if you were, you were lost in the woods somewhere in the middle of 10,000 acres or 100,000 acres, and somebody said, well, there's a sign right there on the corner on the very edge that says this way out. Yeah, but it's over there. But if there had been a big light sticking off of it shining, I could have walked toward the light. I, I'd have had, oh, God gave us something to shine in this world. God gave us something to to project in this world. God made us people of influence in this world. No, everybody's not going to receive what you've got to offer. No, everybody's not going to just say, hmm, that's really good. Some of them's going to say, you're an idiot. 
Oh, you're a fool. You believe in a God you can't see, all that tongue talking and flipping around and shouting, y'all crazy. Bunch of crazy people. Cult. You're a cult. Y'all probably just marry each other's cousins and do all that kind of stuff and just handling snakes. You know, they got all kind of little things they think about us. When we're simply just filled with the Spirit and we love people, it want other people to know the love of God. But guess what? For everyone that thinks you're foolish, there's somebody out there saying, give me what you got. How do I get that? How do I get that peace? How do I get that joy? How do I get that love? How do I get that comfort? How do I get that Holy Ghost? Yeah, we've got something to give. You know, the problem with people getting an inheritance, sometimes they get stingy. Oh, you, you heard about it or seen it maybe amongst your own family. Maybe if you ever had somebody passed and left an inheritance and, and oh, here come people swarming in. I, that's mine. Oh, they told me I could have that. This, I, I, yeah, we were sitting on the porch talking one day and they said, oh, this was going to be, they got to have it. It's, it's mine. Just give, it all, give me all that. It's mine. It's mine. mine inheritance. There's enough to go around. But the worst part in the world is for somebody that's got this inheritance from God to get stingy with it. When what God gave us, if we would use it, it would multiply. We've recently we've talked about the the parable of the the Lord delivering talents to His servants, and you know give. Uh, some of them five and, and two and, and one. And, and a couple of guys, like, man, they put that talent to work and it doubled and it multiplied. And man, when the Lord came, he said, well done, good and faithful service. But one guy said, I'm going to take this wonderful talent that God gave me. So we, maybe sometimes when we're reading it, we're thinking, well, he's just got one. It was, it was probably banged up and the package was rough on it. It, it, it probably wasn't no good. Really, It wasn't as good as the other ones because it was more. They were the same exact talent. It was just one got five because he could handle five. One got two because he could handle two. One got one because he could handle one, but they were all just as precious and they were all just as able to multiply if the recipient used it. But this guy just, let me bury it. Let me put it somewhere where it'll be safe and sound. I'm sure you may see somebody walking toward that side of the yard. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Got something buried over there. Stay away. That's a shame when somebody says, I got something buried in here. Stay away. I'm going to tell somebody about the Lord. I'm going to tell them about the riches of goodness. He bought me with his blood. He purchased me with his life. Friend, let me tell you, I'll tell somebody about Jesus. I have been grafted in, adopted by the Savior, by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I've been adopted. Uh, How can I keep that to myself? I have an inheritance that is incorruptible and it's undefiled and it does not fade away, reserved in heaven. But I ain't got to wait to heaven to act like I'm an heir. It's not like we're waiting, you know, like you're going to the lawyer's office after a loved one passed. It's there. Don't worry about it. Nobody's going to get your portion. It's there. Whatever God's got reserved for you in heaven, it's there. And guess what? We'll, We'll all get it. Somebody's not going to get four crowns stacked on top of the head. You, you're going to get a crown, and you're going to get your, you don't get 48 robes. You get one. You get that one white robe, that one white garment. 
That's, that's what you get. Yeah, and we all get to see the Lamb that is the light. We all get to see Jesus, our King. We all get to be there together and worship Him forevermore. So let me tell you, that's there. But let me tell you, it rains down. Every good and perfect gift is from above, and it comes down from the Father. Let me tell you, He's constantly, every day, loading me with benefits. He is always uh, giving me what I need to tell somebody about Him every day. Why does God loathe me with benefits every day? So I can just live off of it? That's not Bible. That's not the, the story uh, that, that Jesus would tell. That's not the, the way he would want us to live. Why, God, why do you give me all this stuff every day? The Bible says that people ought to see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. But uh, where are the good works? Uh, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, going to your job and doing a good job and coming home every day. Where are the good works that glorify him? Where, where is the Bible study? Where is the prayer meeting? Where is the, the fasting? Where is the sacrifice? Where is the giving? Yeah. Well, where, where is the, the leading, the helping, the reaching out? Where is the, the visitation? Where are the things that Jesus counted uh, as uh, being uh, pure and wonderful and part of him? Pure religion and undefiled. You know, yes, keep yourself undefiled and unspotted from the world. Do that. Stay away from things that you shouldn't do. But then how about visiting the poor or reaching out to the poor or, or taking care of the, the widows and the fatherless? How about that? Because those are things uh, that Jesus said. You know, when he said, I'm going to part people to the right and the left. I'll make sure I'm going to go right. Turn right. <laughs> At that, when you hit that... that at the end of that street, I hope you're going right. Because he said, but here was the, the, deci- the decisive matter. He's like, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was uh, naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And they, oh, when would we do all that? Whenever you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. But whenever you do it not to the least of these, you don't do it unto me. Depart from me. I never knew you. Wow. Yeah. So uh, where are the good works? Yeah, we're not being saved by good works. Don't get, get me wrong. I'm not saying works save us, but works are the product of being saved. Scripture said be careful to maintain good works. That means to keep them up. If you maintain something, you keep it up. So he said be careful to maintain Good works. Make sure you are doing the things that, oh, I saved you, and then you, you, you shut yourself off in a closet just waiting for me to come back. Well, I can't do no wrong if I just stay right here. <laughs> yeah, but you can drop and die if you stay right there. You become cynical and your faith grows cold when you stay right there. Faith without works is dead. Regardless of what this world wants to say, the scriptures, truths forever settled in heaven that faith without works is dead. God has uh, given us, uh, listen, an expense account for this earth. And it, ne- it doesn't have a limit. Wow. Wouldn't you love for a job to hire you and send you somewhere and say, expense account unlimited. <laughs> Woo! But... It might be unlimited, but it's not without accountability. Because if you come back uh, and they, they call you up while you're sitting on the beach in Greece, 
We're trying to figure out how you spent $10,000 on pizza. Um, you know, what are, what are this clothing store accounts? That you yeah, yeah, we gave you an expense, but it was for the work you're supposed to do. But see, a lot of people want to use this unlimited expense account that God gave, and they, they want to use it only for personal gain. But see, this expense account comes with accountability because we will all stand before the judgment seat one day. We'll all give an answer for the things done in this body. And, and so God's going to be like, uh, did you heap it all on yourself or did you distribute? Did you hand it out? Did you tell somebody? Did you lift your voice? Did you let somebody know that you had been bought with the blood of Jesus? Did you tell anybody else how they could be purchased by this blood? Did you tell anybody else how they could get their sins washed away? Or did you just keep it all for yourself? We are a blessed and we are a privileged people. But God did not save me simply to save me. I am a vessel. Yeah, you, you know, you're a vessel. Paul wasn't the only chosen vessel. You and I are chosen vessels. You know what a vessel's for? It ain't for sitting on the shelf and looking good. A vessel is to be used. A vessel is something you put something in and then you pour something out of it. A vessel holds something until you need it. Yeah. Uh, the woman, Garrett, uh, she borrowed empty vessels, not a few, so that they could be filled uh, and then be sold. And guess what? When they bought those vessels of oil, they didn't say, wow, I'm just going to put the lid on this and I'll just keep this forever. No, they bought it because they needed it for cooking. They needed it for ministry. They needed it for whatever else they wanted to do with it. You know, they, they, they needed that oil, so they bought it so they could pour out of that vessel. God's poured into these vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's an inheritance that, that came from above and, and God does not mean, it, all those vessels of oil would have not done that woman one bit of good if she'd have left the door closed because it said when she went in to pour, she closed the door and she began to pour. And they poured and she said, give me another vessel. Well, that's it, we're out. But she said, okay, we got a room full of vessels. A room full of full vessels of oil. And guess what? She's still heard to knock on the door and the creditor's going to take her kids away now. And she had the means all the time to save them. But it was shut in behind the door. It, oh, look, what the value of all that is. Woo! You could, because the prophet told her, said, sell it, pay the debt, and then live on the rest. It ain't just going to clear your debt and leave you begging the Lord didn't just clear our debt and then leave us begging. Come on, somebody. He said, but I've given you something to live on. I've given you something where you can be a part of this world, where you can do things and be out. You don't have to sit here and uh, afraid to move because you're, you're so broke and busted up. Oh, no, I, I gave you enough. I, and I'm sure they wasn't just going to squeeze by. He probably didn't make them millionaires, but, but uh, he gave them enough where they could live be taken care of for a while, get back on, you know, and that's why God, he clears that debt and he pours into this vessel, but it, hey, you can't shut it up behind the door and just leave it. It's no good. I've said this before about buried treasure. Buried treasure, no matter what the value that somebody could put on it is, it's worthless in the ground. 
It's worthless while it's hid. It's worthless while it's buried because ain't nobody doing nothing. Nobody gets to see it. Nobody can enjoy it. Nobody can spend it. Nobody even knows the value it could be because it's hid. I don't want nobody uh, to, to not be able to tell how valuable I think what Jesus did in my life is because I've hid what he did. I'm hiding of what he did. I, I want to make sure I am proclaiming what he did, that I am letting people know I'm thankful for what he did. What Jesus did, again, it wasn't just for us. It was for everybody. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. The work that he did at Calvary was uh, to draw us to God. He saw us heartbroken. He saw us beaten down. He saw us lost. He saw us in sin. He saw the very worst of us, and yet he went there so he could take us. You know, uh, in Samuel, uh, Hannah, she, she makes a, when she's uh, talking about the blessing that God has given her, talking about for this child I prayed, and, but she makes a statement, and you find it again in the book of Psalms, but uh, she said that he takes us from the dung hill. Anybody need any clarification on that? Hope not. The dung hill. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know that little, yeah. I'm just going. <laughs> well, what does he do with us? And makes us to sit among princes. Well, you know where the prince sits? In the palace. He's the heir to the king. He, he's the king's heir. He, his, you know, you know who the prince's father is? Who? The king. And he took me out of the dunghill and put me in the same place as his son. Oh, come on, somebody. Well, well, well. I'm glad today that he took me out of some filth and put me in the right place. And he put me where he was. He, he didn't say, ooh, oh, no let's, no, let's put him down here in the servant's quarter. Let's put him. Let's let's put him over here. Let's put him out here in the pasture. <laughs> he smells. He's been on the dung hill. See, he he takes you in and he washes you, and he cleanses you, and they anoint you, and he puts the robe of righteousness on you. Come on, somebody. Oh, let me tell you, you are fit for the palace when he's done. I don't care what you think about yourself. You can, you can beat yourself up and, and, and tear yourself down, but let me tell you, if Jesus gets done with you, guess what? You're fit for the palace. Yeah. <laughs> ain't no more dung hills. Ain't no more mud holes. You're fit for the palace. You're out of the pig pen. You're back in the house. Yeah. Shoes on your feet, ring on your finger, yeah. robe on your fatted calf, people saying, thank God you're back. You know, just, hey, let me tell you, when he gets done, I'm so thankful today that he can get you out of the worst places. Oh, what a rich heritage and a rich inheritance we have in the things that Jesus has done for us. We were bought, the scripture says, not with corruptible things and not, not like silver and gold. He didn't pay money for us. They used silver to, to sell him. He said, I'm, I'm not going to purchase you with the things that they sold me with. No, he said, I'm going to purchase you with something that's one of a kind. There'll never be anything like this ever after. 
it's, it's, it's flowing through these veins, and once it's out here, that's it. It's not nowhere else. And so he said, you have been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. Oh, bought with price. Man, I'm thankful. That, so what he, he bought us with royal blood. Uh, the, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He, he blessed us and then he, he, we're blessed because he chose us and we're blessed because he gave us purpose. He, he didn't just make us ornaments to sit around and for people to stare at, but, but he gave us purpose to tell people about him. We're blessed by him. In the Old Testament, when you will see the word blessed, um, anytime it's in reference to God, it is also referring to the everlasting covenant that he has with his people. Like if you read Isaiah 68, 8 and 9, you'll see that he's... Uh, talking about that when it mentions blessed, uh, when it's referring to God, it's talking about the covenant that he has with Israel that he will always have with Israel. He, Israel is his people. They are his people. That's Old Testament. But the same word is used eight times in reference to God in the New Testament. And each time it's used, it, it means that God is to be praised for his faithfulness in keeping the covenant. Now, the thing is, is that, uh, you know, God is a promise keeper. But I said we're blessed because we're chosen because uh, we didn't used to be a people. But God chose us. You know, in the Old Testament, we, you know, we see that covenant. It's Israel's, God's chosen people. Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, those people, the, the Jewish uh, population. We're Gentiles. Well, I sure am glad Peter got off that rooftop and went to Cornelius' house. And you know what it said? God has, they looked, they were amazed because they said, now we see that God has granted. He didn't have to, but he granted repentance unto the Gentiles. He's, he's allowed them to turn from their ways and be saved by him and be filled with his spirit. And so uh, praise God that God fills us with his spirit. But, but Peter said it like this in uh, 1 Peter 2 and 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have attained mercy. Mercy. But there's one thing here that uh, I love in, in verse 9. We are chosen, royal, holy, peculiar, that we should show forth the praises. We should proclaim what he has done for us. When it, that, that show forth means to proclaim. We're supposed to be proclaiming uh, what God has done for us. This is not, we haven't made ourselves. Holy. We're not holy within ourselves. We're not. Well, some people might be kind of peculiar in themselves, but uh, but we're. But God, in reference to being God's people, we are peculiar to this world. We are a, a treasure that stands out. We, but we're a royal priesthood, a, a, a holy nation, and and God has called us out of darkness into marvelous light, and now we are. We're royalty, and we should proclaim that to people. We should let people know this is what 
I am. This is what I am supposed to be. I'm, I'm supposed to tell somebody now what God has done for me, what, what he's done in my life. I'm thankful today that he called me out and gave me a purpose, gave me a, a, to tell somebody what Jesus can do. There's a story you're, you're reading in, in Luke chapter 8 about uh, the, the, the man possessed with legion of devils. And when Jesus gets finished with this encounter with him, the people come out and they, they see everything that's been done. They, they see a herd of swine now uh, run off the cliff and drown themselves. They got a man that was running through the tombs crazy, uh, sitting clothed in his right mind at the feet of Jesus, and they're scared. Hey, Jesus, get out of here. <laughs> go, go. We don't want this kind of stuff happening here. And uh, so the, uh, the, the guy who was delivered, he has a little conversation with Jesus. In, in Luke 8, 38 and 39, it goes along like this. The man out of whom the devils had departed, he besought him, Jesus, that he might go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your own house and show what great things God has done unto thee. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done unto him. One of the first evangelists you'll read about is that, oh, maybe he was a little afraid to be by himself because, hey, this happened when you were right here. I'm looking at you, uh, and I don't want you to go, so I'm just going to go with you. But Jesus gave him something that would never leave him. He gave him something that he, he changed him for good. And he said, no, he said, here's what I need you to do. Go back to your house. Go back to your city. Go back to your town and tell everybody, show everybody uh, what. You know how they, they knew it was different? They knew it was different because he wasn't trying to cut himself with rocks. He wasn't weeping and crying and moaning. He, he wasn't trying to take his life. And he put his clothes on. Yeah. Why? <laughs> before, before I get off on that line, uh, but this world today, they, they at least got part of that uh, going on. They don't want to put no clothes on. They want to run around half naked all the time. But um, this man, they knew he was different. What is that you? I can't see your birthmark. Oh, I got clothes on now. I used to have scars all over you. I can't tell if that's you or not you because you used to cut yourself. You got scars. Oh, I got clothes on now. And you'll just have to remember those old wounds. You'll just have to remember those because I ain't going back to showing that. That kind of lifestyle again. And so uh, when God delivers us, we need to be telling somebody. You know, uh, don't be afraid when them old friends call up and say, hey, you want to hang out? You want to go here? To, hey, come on, let's go hit the club tonight. Let's go. No, I don't do that no more. Well, what do you mean you don't do that no more? Jesus delivered me. You don't have to whisper, oh, Jesus delivered me. I'm, I'm saved. people will tell you how lunatic they are why don't you just tell them how saved you are yeah. Yeah. Woo! no I don't go there no more what what's going on? man let me tell you I was in church and it was like fire shut up in my bones like fire shut yeah it was like fire shut up in my bones and man I started trembling Man, I was crying, and I started speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues? Yeah. 
I sure did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I even rolled in the floor. You, did somebody trip you? No. It just hit me and I started rolling. I took off running. Who was chasing you? Nobody. I was dancing. Oh, dancing, yeah. But not to that stuff. I don't, not to that stuff we used to dance to. I, uh, one man said, he said, we hadn't quit dancing. We just changed partners. That's what he said. So, um, so here we are in this new life. We're royalty. I'm almost done. Get ready to finish up. Uh, Paul said that we should walk in the newness of life. He began to write about that. Romans 6, he said, we're buried with Christ in baptism. We're buried with him. We're in the likeness of his death and, and like he was resurrected, so we ought to also walk in newness of life. If you're not different, something's wrong. Thank you. I, well, I love when people can finish them sentences. Yes, sir. And people can can try to fight that all day long. But I'm telling you, if there is no visible outward change, something ain't finished yet. I didn't say something that started. I didn't say people ain't got nothing. I said, but let me tell you, redemption is a complete, God's redemptive work is complete. There ain't nothing else got to die. There ain't nobody else got to die. There ain't no more blood got to be shed. That work, but the redemptive work of Christ is not complete in us until we take on the image of Christ. Even after we have repented, been baptized, and filled with His Spirit, it is not complete in us until we take on His image. When the Lord called them out of Egypt and took them out, and they were delivered out, he wasn't done. He said, now that I've got you out of that place, be holy because I'm holy. You've got to start being a different. You can, no more slave mentality. No more living after the ways of Egypt. No more filling yourself with the things of Egypt. He said, but now that I've got you out, uh, hey, I'm going to feed you with manna from heaven. I'm going to give you water out of the rock, but uh, I'm going to give you some some things to live by too. Oh, here it comes. There's them commandments. Yeah, what about it? And it's, it's funny that a lot of Christian people flipped out when they started taking the Ten Commandments down. Why? You don't live by them no way. Yeah, but we like monuments to who we're supposed to be. No. Uh, oops. I, better, I guess somebody better say last bell. <laughs> Somebody must say, his time. get out of here now. Get this preacher off that pulpit. It's the truth. It's the truth. Come on, honey. If I hear them keys, I'll, I'll, start, I'll start winding down. Anybody follow the royal family? You know who I'm talking about. Well, just imagine this. In, in England, where the royal family is, people, most people, uh, they expect the royal family to conduct, conduct themselves a little differently. They're different. They know they are. They're royalty. And within the royal family, absolutely, they expect some things out of you. And uh, they say there are some things, this is what we do, this is how we conduct ourselves, and here's, here's things we do not do because we are royalty. That's what they do. And so there's an expectation of how they should live. And if, hey, if they don't want to line up, they can leave. Because we've seen that happen. <laughs> you know, I don't want to live like that no more. So we just left the royal family. That's what we just saw that happen within the last year. So 
But let's think about that. So we, we understand that. I expect royalty to conduct themselves a little differently. I would be so out of place if I were to walk in that palace to have to meet the queen. I wouldn't know what to do. I'd be like, hey. We, I, I mean, uh, 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 what do you do? I, don't, I, I would be like, I don't even know what to do. Royalty. I'm like, I'd be sweating. I'd be like, I salute. What I do, you know, I'd be out of place. Now, imagine that you're an orphan, and one day the royal family says, "We're going to do something great, and we're going to bless somebody." And they come to the orphanage and choose you and adopt you into the royal family. Do you think they're going to say now? We adopted you. You're ours. It's legal. You belong to us now. You'll have our name. Do what you want to do. No, you'll start living like royalty. And guess what? When we're adopted into the family of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he doesn't say, just go and do whatever you want to do. If you love me, Jesus, the king said, if you love me that has adopted you, you'll keep my commandments. Well, I better wind down. Yeah, well, I'm at my time limit anyway. Let's go, it's all right. We got, we got three more lessons in this series. I'm sure it'll just get better. So, <laughs> praise God. But aren't you glad for what Jesus has done in your life? Amen. I want to shine the best light possible. I am thankful uh, to be royalty. He's the king of kings. Another won't be another king like him ever. And we've been adopted into that family. Let's stand this morning and let's just lift our hands in gratitude this morning and thank him for that. And if you have not received that adoption, if you haven't taken on his name in baptism, where his blood's applied and washes your sins away, filled with his Holy Spirit, it can happen today. You can have it today and be adopted into that family. Praise God. Lord, we love you. Thank you this morning for your goodness and mercy. Thank you, God, for all that you're doing for us. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost that lives inside of us. Thank you, Lord, for changing us. For pulling us out of this world, calling us out of darkness, getting us out of the dung hill, setting us in the palace. Lord, we praise you today. We love you, Lord. Give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What a great God we serve. What a great God we serve today. Hey, thank you for being uh, in our discipleship class this morning. Find a place around the altar if you can to pray this morning. And let's see what God's going to do in this next service. Amen. God bless you.